<laughs> Support come for WMF comes from listeners like you and the 2022 Tampa Fringe. A festival running July 28th through August 7th in Ebor. It's a chance to binge on the performing arts. All shows are an hour or less with theater, burlesque, comedy, storytelling, opera, improv, kids' shows, and more. Info at tampafringe.org. Good afternoon. My name is Joellen Schilke. I am the hostess who loves you absolutely the mostest. This show is called Art in Your Ear. Today, coming up at 1230, we are going to be chatting with artist Gio Swabi. So excited this worked out, and I almost ruined it, but it all worked out. Her work is up at the MFA in St. Pete right now, and it is an astonishing show. So stay tuned for that. Before that, we've got some stuff uh, that we want to play for you. Uh, right now, if you are on social media on our Art in Your Ear Facebook page, not only can you see photos from the Geo Swabi exhibit fresh up, but you can also get information if you are a Hillsborough artist about their professional grants. It is that part of the grant cycle. So if you want a grant, this is the time to start applying. Until 1230, I've got a couple things that I want to play for you. I sat in. Thank you so much, Nancy C., for trusting me with your audience. Uh, so I sat in yesterday afternoon for Nancy C. from 3 to 6, if you want to go back and listen on the archives at WMNF.org. But uh, I played this one piece by an artist named Alab Alabaster de Plume, and I'm going to play it again because I had such a strong reaction to it. It's a kind of an amazing piece. After that, we also have a couple more uh, pieces that are sort of um, art songs, poem songs, spoken word songs that I want, I've been dying to uh, play again or play for you. So buckle up, hang out. If you want to get in touch, you can text 813-433-0885 or send us an email, dj at wmnf.org. And if we can say hi to you on the air, please put your name in there. Thanks so much.
Sculpture is not just formed from penetration. You see, men have lost touch with the feminine. And with her pink lipstick and her queen's accent, she went on for a while about our president.
Last night I was dreaming with you Even though I was wide awake I saw so many things there Beyond what you'd imagine I dreamt that there was no need For gain or pain or measure For both of us to give in An effortless forever How nice it is to dream And it doesn't cost a penny To dream and nothing more And while our eyes are open How good it is to dream And it doesn't cost you anything but time So what to do with all this? So unresolved like always With energy in places That I can't leave no traces was David Byrne with Kevin Johannesson. We heard Hard Drive from Cassandra Jenkins. God, I love that so much. Is it enough? Alabaster Plume. that was the uh, song I was talking about that just kind of mind-blowing. All of his stuff is amazing, and I'm going to dig into it. You'll be hearing a lot, <coughs> excuse me, of Alabaster Plume over the next few months, I think. And, of course, we started off with the Bug Club. It's art! Brand new from them and getting kind of boring was that uh, instrumental from Lack of Afro. Thanks for tuning in to Art in Your Ear today. Coming up at 1230, we'll be chatting with Gio Swabi, who has a uh, one-person show at the Museum of Fine Arts in St. Petersburg. And they've got some fun events next week to go along with it. Dance parties! Who doesn't like a dance party? 
Everyone likes a dance party. But there is other stuff going on in our beautiful town. At the Carter Woodson Museum, they have a new exhibit opening by Patrick Nose, N-O-Z-E, called From From Dust. Uh, And also they are doing a special night at the Dutchman, which is who we had them on last week here. It's the show at American Stage. Very, very, very uh, powerful show. I have quibbles with it, but it's with the script, not at all. With the acting or directing, it was kind of astonishing. But you can have a nice community group uh, this Sunday at 2 p.m. The Carter Woodson Museum is going to be heading out to the American stage on Sunday at the 2 p.m. Uh, show of the Dutchman. The Carter Woodson Museum is located at 2240 9th Avenue South in beautiful St. Petersburg. And they've got the huge Black Lives Matter mural right there. Uh, in front of them if you want to kill two birds with one stone and see the mural and go to a good exhibit. What else do I have going on? Um, I already told you. I think that's it. Uh, Oh, I wanted to play this promo for you. Jeez. Come on, Joel, get your act together. Or it's actually not a promo. It's a statement from our board of directors. The following is an editorial statement from the Nathan B. Stubblefield Foundation Board of Directors. WMNF supports the right to have access to safe and legal abortions. The recent Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade is devastating and harmful to our democracy and strips millions of women, non-binary, and transgender people of their full citizenship and fundamental right to bodily autonomy. Here in Florida, abortions are now illegal after only 15 weeks, making no exception in cases of incest or rape. We share the fear, heartache, and anger many of you feel right now. But this is the time to turn that anger into action. We encourage our listeners to get involved, to register and vote in every upcoming election, and to support the organizations working to protect the family planning and privacy rights of every United States citizen. To join with those organizations, go to WMNF.org forward slash Roe, R-O-E.
Solange with Cranes in the Sky. Love that song so much. I am so thrilled to welcome Gio Swabi to the airways of WMNF. Gio, thanks for calling in. Thank you. It's great to be here. Where are you calling from? Canada? From Toronto. From, from Toronto in my studio. Toronto. One of my favorite cities in the world. How fabulous. Especially right now. It must be incredible. Um, your show at the Museum of Fine Arts has a couple of firsts for the museum. I think it's probably one of the first, if not the first, time they've had a solo uh, black woman artist in there. Um, and I believe this is your first museum show? Yeah, it's my first solo show at a museum and the most comprehensive exhibition I've ever had. So what, when you, when this was in the works and it was being proposed and the conversations were going on, what were your priorities in this? Uh, so for me, my priorities were making sure the people that I'm representing in my work are represented um, with reverence and honor and that the love really comes through. I think for me, it was really important that um, the exhibition was really collaborative. I worked a lot with the team, with the um, curator of the exhibition, Catherine Till, to, um, just to make sure everything uh, flowed well together and it was, it was working well. And also to have my voice come through uh, at, uh, for the viewers as well as um, for uh, students who may be visiting the exhibition and other um, academics as well. Looking at the work, there's this wonderful combination, and, and it reminds me that, that Catherine and um, Catherine Pell, curator at uh, the MFA, among others, has brought these really interesting shows, and there were sort of like these, um, the, the soil 
the groundwork was laid a few years ago. They had a um, a show that was mind blowing. It was all uh, black women abstract artists, and mm-hmm. uh, and then just briefly last year, or, or maybe even early this year, they had a quilt show again, where taking the idea of what everybody might have an assumption and and t- just dismantling people's assumptions. So I think that within your work, there's uh, you know as I said, there's sort of whispers of those shows in that there are abstract qualities in your work and there's very much the idea of um, the hands-on quilting or sewing and creation in your work. Um, But yet there's also this representation that you talk about, but giving black people, but specifically black women, um, presence and, and stories beyond you know, heroism and suffering and noble, but also joy and, you know, all these other things that you're getting out there. What did you, were, did you have hesitations? Did you have, um, you know, when you were making this work before any type of museum show, what were you sort of fighting through to get this work made? What were you, you talked a little bit about it when we were, when you were doing the tour, like what were you sort of pushing through to get this work up and made? Uh, so for me, there's always the consideration that I am working with people. I work directly with the uh, people I'm representing in a photography session. And um, there's a strong responsibility that comes with representing um, uh, people in a way that is ethical. As, and it's very, there are very special considerations um, being a black artist and representing uh, black women in my work. I want to, uh, I, anytime there's a, a black artist, especially black women, um, and other, um, marginalized black people creating artworks, it's always a conversation of politics. It's always political. So I have to think about that history when I'm creating these works and, um, bringing them to the forefront. Um, so that was one of the biggest considerations. How do I make sure that this works? is um, that the representations are nuanced, are absolutely full of personhood of the, of the women that I'm representing. How do I make sure that I'm telling stories about black people that are uh, true, that are honest and authentic? And um, how do I do that in a way where it's encapsulated with love and care? So I take a lot of um, caution and I take a lot of consideration and care in how I approach the creation of this work and also the exhibition of it as well. There's also, I mean, but walking through there, um, the primary sort of impact or emotion is this joy and fun and like this this beauty, this this, uh, just overwhelming sort of beauty and uh, assemblage, you know, that this is, has come together. You use your sisters often as models in it. Uh, and, you know, so there's also this love shining through, which I appreciate so much. And, and again, you talked a little bit about this during the, the tour that, you know, there's this sort of one note like anger, you know, that you have to suffer. We're going to illustrate suffering. And I'm not making fun of that, but but instead of having this one note about people, there's all of a sudden this explosion of many, many, many different type of emotions and states of being that you're expressing in this work. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for me, the work really pushes back against this um, archetype of uh, the strong black woman, the angry black woman, 
And certainly we are strong. We do feel um, angry about, there's a lot to be <laughs> angry about. <laughs> yeah, I would right imagine. Especially. Uh-huh. Um, but that doesn't make up a full person. And um, for me, because I'm exploring these pathways of healing through my work, I want to tell a story about how can we uh, experience and find joy and find connection and find love as black women and black people. Um, it's an important act of resistance for us when we're a part of systems that, um, that kind of really drag you down. They like you, you're, you are uh, exposed to so much trauma and experience so much of it. Uh, I'm trying to create a space for us of safety, of healing, and where we can have a moment of respite and experience that joy that you talked about during the exhibition. There's also, I mean, with your sisters, I think there's two or three different groupings of your sisters, and I'm going through it in my head, but you can sort of see how their personalities, even though there's no, uh, in those there's not faces, there's body language. Uh, And this is what I found so interesting. I want to start diving like specifically into the work. Your work is a, 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 a mixture of several forms. And so there's photography and then there's there's also sewing and there's use of color and picking patterns and things like that. So you have this representation of people and you can kind of read the personality of someone even though you cannot see actually any of their um, any of their specific, their facial features or, or actually see them, but you can feel who they are through your choices of patterns and, and how you have them positioned and stuff like that. Will you talk a little bit about how you look at material and how you look at shapes and how you look at the photographs that you take that you base these images on? Absolutely. Uh, so you met, like you mentioned a really important aspect of the work, which is that language that comes through in the body how we hold ourselves, how um, hand placement has so much to do with, with uh, our life experiences and um, how uh, people kind of perceive us. And um, that's such an important aspect for me to capture because these works are, I feel, can be representative of a, a, a kind of communal experience of blackness and womanhood, but they're also very individualized and for specifically dedicated and for the person that they are representing. Um, so in this photography session I, that happens before this work is made where I capture the reference photo, um, it's all about uh, this opportunity for the sitter to move in the way that they feel most comfortable and um, in a way that kind of best represents them, which is normally how we would naturally move anyway. Uh, so I capture a series of photographs, but we kind of work together to choose one that really, really feels like them. And I hold that energy and carry it through to the final portrait when uh, some of them, like you mentioned, don't have facial features in the love letter series, but you can still, if you know who it is, use still can get a sense of them through the posture, uh, the way that they, uh, the the movement that's suggested. And um, I think that that really encapsulates so much about a person and their life experience. 
there's also, I think an important part is your choice of materials. And I have to tell you, ever since this show, like I, I have um, both my grandmother and my mother were would sew. Uh, my grandmother was a seamstress professionally and I have all this material at home. I'm like, oh, I want to give her this stuff. It's so cool. You know, like I, I, there's so many beautiful materials in it um, in a range of materials, like stuff that looks like it was, you know, $50 a yard and other stuff that looks like it could be found in the, you know, dollar bin, but, but they're put together in such a way. Will you talk a little bit about uh, your history with fabric and sewing and materials and then how that sort of if that was in your work right away or if that became in, came into your work? Uh, yeah, I can I can definitely talk about that. The, the dollar bit of $50 a yard thing is very accurate. <laughs> I, uh, my fabric is like from a range of sources and different, um, um, different kind of uh, places all, all around... I wouldn't say all around the world because I haven't really traveled all around the world, but generally when I'm traveling, I will stop and kind of uh, try to visit a fabric shop. Oh, that's fun. Some fabric. <laughs> that's a good way to visit too, right? <laughs> exactly. You learn, you learn a lot about a place, I think. Um, to take some fabric back home with me uh, to add to my ever-growing stash. Um, and I came to textiles through my mom. She was a seamstress, and I grew up around a house of uh, fabric and thread, and it just feels so much a part of my life and so normal um, that I kind of continued that through my work. I didn't initially start working with fabric, though. I, I, when I first started um, on my journey of this part of becoming an artist, uh, whatever becoming an artist means. <laughs> I started just with more conventional forms of art making um, that we think of like painting and drawing with graphite. Um, and I came to quilting and using fabrics through um, my history with textiles, through my mother and bad lineage, and then meeting a quilter, John Elliott, during a residency I did when I finished my first uh, degree in college. And it just struck me how much this form could be communicated as uh, a line, like the, the idea of stitching as the line and creating a drawing and um, this putting together of fabric and pattern and color and working with materials that already exist was really interesting to me. And also because this work is about love and about expressing love, quilting and the quilting community is so rooted in this idea of care care that it felt really connected. And it was also such a moment of bonding and love expressed between me and my mom when she taught me how to sew that um, for me, it just all fell, all the pieces fell together and it really made sense for me to pursue this as a medium. Oh, that's wonderful. I remember, uh, I think, I can't remember if it's the series when you walk in, but you had a series of, um, I think they're called Going Out Tops, Going Out. Uh, going Out Clothes. Going Out Clothes. Sorry, I'm doing now that, I looked at it all this morning and I'm doing this from memory. Uh, and there was such a, um, and though I understand that there is a focus on black women in the show, there is also a, a simultaneous universality 
to the show of uh, of the way women are treated, the way people are treated, the way we find um, anticipation and hope and joy is is not limited to a demographic, but it's what you can walk in and feel in any way, like whoever you are within the show. But the going out clothes was, set, I mean, it's a, it's a fun way to start, but also uh, kind of because there was always this sort of this unfinished or purposely unfinished looking part to each one. Like there's, this person isn't quite ready yet, or this person is still getting ready. When you were creating, uh, do you always work in series? Do you always have like several pieces in a seri- and make a series, or do you do one-off works and then we just sort of happen to see the series? Uh, I, I generally work in series. Um, uh, most of what I do is in series. I have some single works, but it's pretty rare. I like to work in series. I feel like it helps me to really work through an idea. And I like to reach a point when I feel satisfied with working through an idea. And series helped me to do that. But also, I think that um, the a big part of my work is like the the communication between the work, the connection between the pieces, and um, uh, creating multiples of of these works uh, where different. Uh, people are featured in each one, you really start to have, there's a conversation that happens between them um, in, and that conversation shifts and changes depending on how the works are hung, where they are, um, what kind of space they're in. Uh, so I really enjoy working in series for that for that particular reason too. And um, yeah, you touched on something important when talking about the universality of the work. I think People can. There are so many. There are multiple points of entry into the work. I think that it's an experience that can be enjoyed by many different kinds of people. Uh, there's the connection to quilting. There's the connection to womanhood. There are um, so much other social and kind of um, historical connections with the work, um, uh, and it and it does have this very specific point of view as well of this experience of blackness and womanhood and um, of that. And that's my um, consideration while making this work. A part of my, I consider my primary audience to be um, black women and girls, but I, I feel that, you know, the work can be enjoyed by many people. Oh yeah. And, and honestly, I could not have asked for a better answer because I was hoping, you know, the series definitely have this communication and that's like, there's this weird, not weird, there's this awesome buzz in the work because there is this constant reference, not just to each series referring to themselves, but sort of across the room, you know, the sisters are in one room and then the sisters are in the other room and it's completely two different series, but then there's this conversation going on. So, uh, dear listeners, when you go to the show, I would definitely suggest sort of revisiting all of the pieces after you've seen it because it it changes how you look at them. Um, There's a quality in some of them of of being unfinished and that's I know they're not unfinished they are finished but there are strings hanging and there's highlighted areas and then other areas that are just are flat stuff like that how um how is it when you know that I'm I need to stop I'm I need to let this go I need this to 
just be done. Is that a, is there a feeling there, a plan, or is it um, just like, okay, ah, I gotta stop? <laughs> like, how does that work for you? <laughs> I guess a combination of those. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I think most of all, um, it is the feeling. You have to trust yourself as an artist, which is hard. I was going to say, how did you get there? <laughs> just time. <laughs> just over time. And I think, like, so much of my work is connected to my life. I feel like as I came more into myself and learned more about myself through my practice and through my life, that it made me a better artist. Um, I have to just trust, like, I have done so much... Uh, like work. I've done so much research, so much investigation into my um, conceptual practice, this um, theory behind the work, as well as my techniques. And I am always learning. I'm always taking in more information and processing it. And I have to trust that I have to trust that I have the knowledge and, and the ability to create and finish this work. And I want to bring some intuition and I guess some heart into the process. So there are many factors that go into understanding a work is, is finished. And a lot of it now for me is something that takes place a bit in the background. But um, if I get a feeling of it being settled and um, my heart kind of says like, this is it, it feels here mm-hmm. and it feels done. And that's my to that's my cue to stop and um it it has been working for me i don't know about <laughs> in, in the future but it's worked so far and i think i'm going that's that's one way to include some aspects of heart rather than head in this making process that's wonderful is there um you know because just by default the uh, the work had to be done a while ago, so it could be you know prepared for the show and everything. Is there um, is there stuff that you are sort of moving more towards right now? Uh, any any work? What what are you working on right now? Uh, a lot of what I've been working on recently has been like kind of a combination of my techniques, a combination of the love letter pieces, which are, are the full body silhouetted um, pieces that are all fabric and then the pretty pretty work which are the full body mostly stitch work Um, and I've moved into recently working into the horizontal space so most of the work you see in the um, longer and vertical but I've moved into working in poses that are at rest so um, into the bigger horizontal space just taking up space um, and um, combining those techniques to have figures that are made partially of the line, but there's a lot more fabric elements as well. Um, so that's what I've been recently exploring. And is texture, where's the uh, the texture part of that? The texture, I am kind of playing with new techniques that allow me to get a lot more detail with the <laughs> line. Um so you can really see, if you look at the works even in the exhibition that started, in like, they go from 2017 to now, you can really see the progress and how um, far I've kind of come in, how much detail I'm able to capture, and a sensibility about what's left out and what's included. 
Um, I'm also experimenting a little bit more with like not letting the fabric lay completely flat and maybe adding in some some of those natural wrinkles from the fabric fabrics and folds. Um, yeah, that's where I am right now with the texture aspect of it. And I think that uh, throughout the exhibition, there are like the unfinished threads and the way things are made is that it, mm-hmm. there is a sort of a sense of um, of capturing a moment, even though I know it took way more than a moment to create any of this. But there is that almost, that almost photographic sense of, oh, I just caught this. Like this is just grabbed. And now, which is of course not is what what is true. It, there was a photo, but it was built. Then the work was built and created. Um, but that that fleeting, or not fleeting, isn't the right word. But movement. That there is that movement there. Like that this can move any time, um, which is which is wonderful for the listeners. I know I'm going way over time, but I'm still going to ask you one more question. I'm sorry, I'm greedy that way. No, 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 <laughs> I'm having a good time. Okay, good. Um, so. Uh, you're coming into town next week, and there's a couple of events at the museum. Uh, there's a dance party, which sounds super fun, the Fresh Up dance party. And and Fresh Up, will you tell listeners what Fresh Up means to you? Fresh Up, Fresh Up. I'm from the Bahamas, so Fresh Up is like a term that Bahamians use to give a compliment if you have like a really nice outfit on. If you just got like a nice haircut and you're looking particularly good that day, you're looking fresh. And then the compliment is to say like, whoa, you look like you fresh up today. Like you're looking really good. Um, that's what it means to me. It's like a, it's so celebratory and just like such a way to connect with people on this level to just share something with them that uh, really, I don't know, it gives you a, a sense of confidence uh, in a way. Um, and I wanted to bring that energy to the exhibition too. Right. Well, it's a gift to give somebody like, oh, fresh up, you know, like you're looking great. So yeah, that, that's wonderful. So there's a, a fresh up dance party on the 29th at the museum. And then there's also a, um, a workshop at in our image workshop where people can make sort of uh, their version, micro versions of, uh, of inspired by what, your, you do by your work. Um, one of the things that I've noticed, I've, I've been lucky in my life that I've gotten to work uh, within and for the black community all along. And the, one of the differences I've always noticed is that the, um, the term family is a very elastic term, you know, and then, uh, you know, people say, hey, family, do this and that. And yet, I, uh, not it's not wrong in that how it's used like in in this show and often that this is family that if you're my community you are my family and I'm going to protect you like my family and I'm going to treasure you like my family uh, so I wanted to just talk a little bit about who you have in your exhibition who the photos are of and and what the people who you are depicting the portraits mean to you these are portraits of some people who are definitely your family and other people in your life Will you talk just really quickly about why you wanted to take portraits of people in your life? Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. That's a great question as well. I love to I love to talk about the people who are in this exhibition. Um, some of them are my uh, close family members. We talked about my portraits of my three older sisters before. There's two series of portraits of them, um, as well as uh, everyone else. There are self-portraits in the exhibition as well as portraits of some of my closest friends. And um, 
Many of them are uh, from the Bahamas or currently live in the Bahamas as well. Uh, I've been really recently, or recently in the last few years, for me on a journey of learning to kind of re-explore and rediscover love in my life. Um, how do I express it? How do I experience it? How do I share it with others? And for me, I think my art practice is the way that I, one of the many ways that I do that. Um, and because I was thinking about it in that way, of course I explored that uh, through sharing it with the people who are closest to me in my life, my, my friends and my family, and that's why so many of the portraits are of those are of those women. And then also an important aspect is the self-portraits, this exploration of love for the self, um, how uh, sometimes it can often be easier to express love to others and to find it for others and not for yourself. And I wanted to make sure that part of it was included in this work and in this exploration of how um, I'm, I'm kind of reconnecting with this idea of love and how, how I experience it. Well, that sounds like a perfect and beautiful way to end the interview. Since the show's almost over, I want to mention, it'll make sense in a second, talking about family. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but Louis Armstrong's daughter was there when we walked through. Uh, she lives in Sarasota, and she's a fabulous woman. Uh, and so we're going to go out with some Louis Armstrong to talk about family. Gio Swabi's Fresh Up is at the Museum of Fine Arts in downtown St. Petersburg through October 9th. Uh, you can go online to mfastpete.org and get all sorts of information about their events and everything. Gio Swabi, thank you so much for this show. Thank you so much for coming on Art in Your Ear today. I'm deeply grateful that you did that, and I really just love Love your work. Love, 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 love your work. So, so exciting oh. to talk to you. <laughs> Thank you so much. It was an absolute honor. I had an amazing time and it's I'm so, so grateful to be here. So thank you. Thank you. And I hope you have fun when you come back. There's a bunch of, uh, of uh, uh, fabric stores, so you should go a little bit crazy. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you. And you are listening to WMNF Tampa. That was Gio Swabi. Stay tuned. E-Love is in the house to bring her beautiful music show coming up, Global Electronica. Thank you for being part of WMNF today. You're listening to WMNF Tampa, 88.5 FM. I'll be out of town next week, but I'll see you in two weeks. Take care now. Love you guys. Bye. Tell me you miss me. While I'm alone, blues can be. A little dream of me Stars fading But I linger on dear Still craving your kiss I'm longing to linger till dawn dear Just saying this Yes Sweet dreams Till sunbeam find ya Sweet dream that leave all worries behind you But in your dreams, whatever they be Dream a little dream of me
from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. Russia and Ukraine have signed a deal to resume the export of grain and fertilizer from the Black Sea region. NPR's Charles Means reports from Moscow the agreement brings hope for alleviating a global food crisis.